Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Today's Issues on American Family Radio. Thursday, for this Thursday, January the 26th, I'm Tim Wildman, and joining me in studio is Fred Jackson. Good, Good morning, morning. Fred. How are you, sir? Doing great. Chris Woodward. Good morning. And in Kansas City is our good friend, Ray Pritchard. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? Doing well. And yourself? Hey, it's all good. We got a little bit of sunshine, a balmy 20 degrees here in Kansas City, but mm. no snow and no rain and no wind. So it's cold, but it's clear. So we're we're doing pretty good, actually. So no uh, no bike ride this afternoon? or You know, I, I've got to admit something. It I hadn't hit me. This, Unless things change, I'm going to get to the end of January for the first time in about 20 years and have not ridden my bike at all yet oh. in 2023 because the, we've just had rain and snow and bad weather. Then we were out of the country for about 10 days, and uh, I'm tired of winter. Just, just, <laughs> let me just let me just put that in. I am tired of cold weather already. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, brother. My hand's raised. <laughs> All I, the people I, on the bank, you said need, amen. We need to vote out winter. I'm against right here. <laughs> it's, uh, well, uh, springtime will be here, what, maybe in a few weeks anyway, March. About eight weeks. For Kansas City, probably springtime, third, fourth week in March, something like <laughs> something, that. Something like that. We got a couple of months we got to get through here. Yeah. Meteorological spring begins March 1st. Meteorological. What does that even mean? That is the period of time in which meteorologists um, calculate time on when seasons begin and end. It's not the official time. Like generally, like when we were in school, you you know, March begin or right. spring begins on such and such date. Right, right. Uh, meteorologists tend to do it a little earlier than other folks. All right, Chris. Thank you for that. It's not even Friday. <laughs> that was that was powerful. I'm just proud. I said meteorological. I, yeah, that's a good word. For, that's said a good it word three times, that. right? In a row. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we've got uh, a guest coming up at the bottom of the hour, don't we, Fred? Yes, sir. Uh, he is. You may remember his name, Tim Tim Gagline. He was in the Bush White House. And I think he had uh, a job as a liaison to the evangelical community. And he right, did? Yes. He liaisoned me a few times. Yeah. Good, nice uh, guy. Didn't hurt. Oh, no. He's a good guy. <laughs> He's now vice president of external and government relations for Focus on the Family. And he'll be joining us, and, and he'll be discussing so, a recent survey, kind of about the taking the temperature of the evangelical community. He's also written a book about... Uh, our, uh, the book is titled Toward a More Perfect Union, The Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of concern that our younger generation is not being taught uh, about American history. And that's, uh, that's he is going to be talking about right. that survey. Right, right. So that's coming up at the bottom mm-hmm. of the hour. Speaking of American history... Uh, we've still got some space available on our spiritual heritage tours in June and September. So if you, if that interests you and, uh, you'd like to look at going with us, 
Uh, we're going to go in June. We're going to Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon in Sierra Nation's capital and all the history and the Christian heritage. It's a lot of fun. We eat well. A lot of fellowship with people from around the country who listen to AFR, support AFA. And Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation will be joining us. So he'll be our historian. So uh, that's in June, and that it's in September. And then in September, we're also going to uh, uh, take a trip to Jamestown, Yorktown, and Colonial Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. So And, and that, that trip is back-to-back with the D.C. Mount Vernon a trip. So because we have a lot of people who fly in from, you know, across country, and they don't want – they want to do both. They want to do both tours. But I think we've only got like, I don't know, 17 or 18 seats left on that Williamsburg trip. Yeah. Beautiful and, time of the year September. to go, too. Absolutely. June and September, good weather months mm-hmm. for that part of the country. So if you want to look into the dates, the cost, the itinerary, go to uh, this website, spiritualheritagetours.com spiritualheritagetours.com, and you can read all about it. Again, those are in June and September. Chris, what's leading the news this morning? Well, concerns that uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 specifically, uh, was created in a lab and leaked to the outside world have deepened. And I say that based on an article that I have shared on our Today's Issues Facebook page, as well as a press release from HHS. Um, An audit has found that the National Institutes of Health did not keep tabs on the Wuhan lab where coronavirus may have been worked on and leaked from. Um, This is a report from the U.S. Office of Inspector General at Health and Human Services, which documents catalogs of what are called NIH errors. Uh, They looked at three taxpayer-funded grants given to an organization called EcoHealth Alliance, and that organization, EcoHealth Alliance, funded coronavirus research in Wuhan uh, and has been actually working on a coronavirus for a long time here. So basically, you have a bombshell report that questions whether or not COVID was caused by a lab leak after all, as President Trump and many other people in office have said over the past couple of years. And I can hear Rand Paul right now. <laughs> I told you yeah. so. <laughs> Dr. Rand Paul. I don't know who sang that song. They were pretty good. Uh, Randy good. Travis, you, I told you so. You did good. Did I? Uh Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, who is not on uh, Anthony Fauci's Christmas card list. <laughs> he was removed. They're the best uh, of frenemies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is a, the reason I wanted to bring this story up, I saw this last night, fellas. <clears throat> okay. This is the uh, uh, Inspector General for who? Uh, Health and Human Services. Okay. This is the uh, an Inspector General for those who don't know, is uh, a internal uh, auditor, for lack of a better word. In other words, a inspector general is supposed to be feared by the people who work in that agency in that if I get out of line or do anything inappropriate or illegal, I'm going to be nailed by the inspector general mm-hmm. because he's going to be keeping up keeping tabs with where everybody does here at this organization or uh it's kind of like an, an auditor you know you guys fought tracking with me right here sure. okay just so people know who we're talking about so this guy what's his name you have his name inspector general who i will look it up for the health and human services all right 
I'm taking you through this step by step because this is important. He he says he finds now that there was a uh, money exchange from the national uh, NIH. NIH is that Fauci's group? Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Okay. Yes. Uh, and when Fauci was Dr. Fauci was over this, right? Yes, there was a money uh, that was sent from the United States Na- National Institutes of Health. Uh, to Wuhan, and it went through a, 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 a third party Eco Health. It was laundered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> NIH gave them uh, gave grants. They probably do this all the time. Oh yeah, they do this all the time. I say laundered. It's not probably it's not uh, nothing illegal mm-hmm. uh, necessarily about it, unless the United States federal uh, government prohibits it from from happening, and right. then they try to circumvent it. The law, I'm mm-hmm. saying. So. Uh, and what, what, uh, so what this gentleman is saying, you it's got actually a, a lady, Christy lady. A. Graham. Okay. Two M's. Inspector General Graham is saying, Fred, is that Wuhan then used the money to study, in quotes, coronaviruses. Yes. Right? Yeah. This EcoHealth got, uh, I think it was three grants. So, so just get, yep. bear, bear with me here. I want people to understand one, two, three, four. United States taxpayer. $8 million. Pays the federal government. Yes. The federal government then takes our tax dollars and doles it out across the land to different uh, agencies, groups, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Army, whatever. Mm-hmm. In this case, they gave a uh, grant to the National Institute of, uh, of Health. Mm-hmm. How much? The NIH gave grants to a group called EcoHealth. Okay. They're, they're, now it's off to EcoHealth. $8 million bucks. $8 million. Yes. And EcoHealth, which is a U.S. company? Yes. They then send money to Wuhan. Is that the way this worked? That's the way this works. Okay, and then the Wuhan lab studies coronaviruses. That's right. The coronaviruses, uh, the COVID nineteen. Uh, uh, this is what I believe. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. This has been the great debate. Uh, escaped. I would yep. say escaped from the lab mm-hmm. in Wuhan. Mm-hmm. So it was created by man, mm-hmm. uh, and then it exploded on the world. Yes. Uh, do, 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 do I have the story right, Fred? Well. Uh, and then, and what, then Ray what, could comment. Particularly what the inspector general found out was, so this $8 million in grants goes to the Wuhan lab, but then EcoHealth and the NIH didn't keep tabs on what the Wuhan, Wuhan lab was up to. And, and in fact, they weren't, they weren't held accountable for the lab work, the research that they were given this $8 million to play with. So what happens, and this sounds a whole lot like Senator Rand Paul has been saying every time Fauci came before those hearings in the last couple of years, this is what Rand Paul kept saying. Wait a minute. And, and Dr. Fauci kept saying, oh, no, 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 no. There's no way that the lab created this virus. He still claims that it came out of these Wuhan seafood market, mm-hmm. you know, that it, the jumped, wet, the wet market. it jumped from animals to man. Now, that's what Fauci has been Just saying. Just coincidentally, there's a Wuhan lab there, too. Right. right? Just down the street. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, but see. Now, does Fauci say, I don't know, or does he say, it? no, it's, it's, it's animals? Oh, he's, he's downplayed the, the lab leak for a long time. Yes. Yeah. He's taking, he's taking no responsibility. All right, Ray, what do you think about all this? Well, number one. This is not a surprise 
to anybody who's been paying attention. Our government routinely gives away money with no strings attached and no accountability, and that's what happened here. We gave this EcoHealth people, we gave them $8 million. They shipped it over to the Wuhan lab. There's no accountability. There's no oversight. There's no answering back. I mean, everything, Fred, you just laid out is, is a fact. There was research into the coronavirus, COVID-19, over there in that Wuhan lab. It's just down the street from one of the wet markets where the animals are – I have been in one, not the one in Wuhan, but I've been in one of those Chinese wet markets. It's 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 hard for Americans to understand the conditions that N- – Nasty. It, oh, oh. Nasty with a capital N. Well, you can see everything there, Tim. Every every kind of animal, creature, reptile, and this article talks about raccoons and stuff. They already had the coronavirus, so it's pretty easy to see how it – how it jumps from the wet market to the lab or from the lab to the wet market. And this happened, this inspector general said, because we gave them millions of dollars and we didn't pay any attention to what happened to it, contrary to everything Dr. Fauci was saying. I have the, uh, I'm going to read a little bit of uh, the report here, which again, we have shared a link to on our uh, Today's Issues Facebook page. The federal government says here, quote, Despite identifying potential risks associated with research being performed under the EcoHealth Awards, we found that NIH did not effectively monitor or take timely action to address EcoHealth's compliance with some requirements. Although NIH and EcoHealth had established monitoring procedures, we found deficiencies in complying with these procedures, uh, limited NIH and EcoHealth's ability to effectively monitor federal grant awards and subawards to understand the nature of the research conducted, identify potential problem areas, and take corrective action. Well, there you go. That's that's basically, as you said, Fred, that's what Dr. Ann Paul, the uh, senator from Kentucky, has been saying for a long time. And, and I guess the way Dr. Fauci escapes, uh, tries, tries to go get around this, is saying, hey, we didn't do it. Mm-hmm. We we gave money to mm-hmm. other groups, and then after that, he's going to say it's out of our hands, right? Yes. But here's the other ingredient that has come into this story over the last couple of years. They've been able to look at the virus itself, and what they're saying, it is so sophisticated. Uh, many of these experts say that it, show, that it shows the hallmarks of human engineering, the what's called the unique spike protein of this virus, which attaches to cells in our body, it is so sophisticated, they say there's no way this happened accidentally in nature, that this had to be manufactured. That's what many experts say. you got to go listen to Walker's interview yesterday on his show, the uh, AFA at the core. Mm-hmm. I forgot the uh, physician's name. I'll share the audio here in a sec. Yeah, but uh, you got to go listen to that. Uh, the podcast we still got that up that was fascinating which is talking about what you're talking about dr richard urso yeah how you spell his name uh u-r-s-o yeah well walker interviewed him on afa at the core at about 130 ish mm-hmm. yesterday central time anyway you, you, you folks need to go to our website afa.net and listen to that interview because fred he goes he's talking about what you're talking about it's pretty scary stuff when you start to think about it, the possibility this was developed deliberately in a lab 
and that it was tax U.S. taxpayers' money in may, part may have contributed yeah. to this. Yeah, I, sh- I said AFA.net, the podcaster at AFR.net, mm-hmm. AFR.net, AFR.net. One of the things that I think about when I'm hearing all this is there, <clears throat> this was uh, this idea. Uh, I, I think here's what I think. I think it's shared by a lot of people listening right now. I think this was, and, and this is probably a duh. Well, duh, Tim. Well, okay. I think this was a uh, being uh, created as a potential bioweapon mm-hmm. by the communist Chinese government mm-hmm. in the Wuhan lab. Mm-hmm. But I think it got out uh, prematurely or, or escaped, as it were. And it was that, that part was unintentional, but then it hit the world. Yes. Uh, I think that's what happened right there. But I'm thinking back to when President Obama was in office, Ray. Right. I remember the the news story. It was like a 24-hour, 48-hour news story, but it was in the news. And the news was that the Obama administration was prohibiting gain-of-function research having to do with coronaviruses in a in, in on U.S. soil. Uh, particularly this was a lab, I think, in North Carolina at the time. And uh, the, the, the it was the Obama administration said, no, you can't do that. That's too dangerous. Do you remember that? Do you all remember yeah, that? Yes, I do. And, and this whole thing, this whole thing sounds to me like a Stephen King. Right. Novel. Doesn't it, though? You know, the, the way this thing has played out with the denials, with the obfuscation, and now the truth is coming out. Sure, they didn't want the gain-of-function research, because that is extremely dangerous. you got to know what you're doing, and you got to have safety protocols upon safety protocols, lest something get out. So it's much easier to farm it out to someplace like Wuhan, China, which until this crisis nobody had ever heard of, right? Mm-hmm. Some, some, some lab on the other side of the ocean, give them $8 million, pretend that you're going to pay attention while turning your back and paying no attention whatsoever and then appearing shocked when suddenly this virus hits the whole world and millions of people die as a result. Uh, I don't see how anybody can ever take anything Tony Fauci says as literal truth at this point, how anybody can believe anything he says. Uh, let me. Uh, so, so everything we've talked about, uh, which was based on the story that came out last night, we've – uh, we put on our Facebook page, we right? Did. Okay, so if you go to our Today's Issues Facebook page, uh, where we got all our information, mm-hmm. what we've been quoting here, we put that story up for your for you to look at and have for yourself. Where did that come from? Uh, that was well. Again, it comes from an Inspector General report, the Inspector General for the Department of Health and Human Services. So we shared their report. We also shared a link to Daily Mail which was among the first news outlet, if not the first news outlet, uh, to report this information. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're listening to today's issues on AFR Next Story. Chris. Well, I want to make people aware, uh, so that way they clear their schedule and watch this, because people are dying to hear this, I'm sure. President Joe Biden is uh, planning to deliver remarks today on what he's calling our economic progress since he took office. Uh, this is an event in Springfield, Virginia today. Uh, it's going to be at 2.45 p.m. Eastern or 1.45 p.m. Central. Biden has long said that his policies are working, mm-hmm. uh, and many people are say, no, they're not, because I'm paying more for bread and milk and eggs and everything else today, uh, all of which are issues relating to your policies. 
So um, people will probably catch a, make it a point to listen to what he has to say, but keep it on AFN and AFN.net because we will have a reaction to this this afternoon uh, in audio and in print. Fred, Fred you're, you're laughing out loud, Fred. Well, I, I, I tell you what, because I know what's coming, because our good friend Karine Jean-Pierre yes. repeats this often when she wants to deflect away from the uh, scandal right, of the documents. Right, right. She talks about this president. He's doing his very best for America. Yes. Look yes. what he has done in the last yes. two years. He's created, and I'm quoting here. This is what she has said. He'll probably repeat today. The president has created 11 million jobs. And that'll set your head spinning. He, he has created, he has created 11 million jobs. Um, Larry. Gutlow. Gutlow. <laughs> On on Fox yesterday, just called the Democrats out as bold faced liars because he didn't create 11 million jobs. About 11 million people came back to work because their businesses were shut down by COVID shutdowns. But he's Are, counting that as but creating. He not, said he created their oh, job. They're just coming back to their jobs. Oh. All right. That's number one. Number two, hmm. he's going and his energy secretary the other day on, Mon- Granholm. on Monday. She said the Republicans are really causing the rise in gas prices. It's their fault, all right, even though we know Joe Biden declared war on fossil fuels when he came into office. Here's here's the latest thing. You know, there's this debate now going on between Republicans and Democrats with regards to um, uh, the the debt ceiling. Mm Mm-hmm. It happens frequently in this country. You know, are we going to blow through the debt ceiling again to pay our bills? They are saying what the Republicans want. Democrats are saying what the Republicans want. They're going to shut down Medicare. You're going to lose your Social Security. You're going to lose your Medicare. That's what those Republicans want to do. And uh, Larry Kudlow Kudlow yesterday on Fox said they're liars. I'm quoting him. Mm -hmm. They are a pile of liars. The Republicans don't want to get rid of your Social Security, get rid of your Medicare. And I've heard this Democrat say this every time this issue comes up. Ah, the Republicans, they're, great. they're threatening your Social Security. They're threatening your Medicare. No, they want. What Republicans would like to see is that in this debate about raising the debt ceiling, they want to say, okay, let's do some cutting. Let's not just keep raising the debt ceiling. Let's do some cutting. And I think the figure they've been using is about, let's find $100 billion in cuts so that we're making an effort for the American people to do what we expect the American people to do when they run into budget problems at home, is cut somewhere. But the Republicans are not saying, let's get rid of Medicare, let's get rid of Social Security. The Republicans are saying, we want to balance balance spending uh, against revenue. Exactly. Or with revenue. Yes. So you have a number of the money brought in by taxation and tariffs and other things, which make up the federal income, yes. federal, federal government income. And what the Republicans are saying, that needs to match our expenditures. Yes. And so right now it doesn't by a substantial uh, amount of money, and we need to come together, mm-hmm. Democrats and Republicans, and figure out where to cut. Mm-hmm. All I hear the Democrats saying is, oh, you want to cut Social Security, mm-hmm. which is which is not true, but this is what they, this is the history of, of the Democrats. They scare people against the Republicans by saying they want to, you know, take away grandma's paycheck. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So they're going to say that. But then uh, they also say uh, this part is kind of shrewd on the part of the Democrats. Uh, They say, okay, Republicans, tell us what you want to cut. And then if the Republicans did that, they're not taking the bait right now, I don't think. But uh, if they did that, then the Democrats would go out and say to the American public, see here, they want to cut this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. They don't care about this, that, or the other, these people, and so forth and so on. Uh, Anyway, we'll be back momentarily with more of today's issues on AFR. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? (laughs) Let's get some cookies, and I'll tell you all about it. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. Grace Smith was 16 years old when World War II broke out. She was a teenage bride at the time, and when her husband was called to the front lines, she dropped out of school. Life came at Grace fast and furious, and finishing her high school education became a fleeting thought. She eventually became a bus driver for the Madison County School System in Alabama driving kids to and from for 30 years. Her family said Grace was never one to look back on the past, never mentioned any regrets except for one. Grace wanted to finish her high school education. And so it was that 79 years later, Grace Smith received her diploma at Hazel Green High School wearing a scarlet cap and gown. Grace was surrounded by all of her family, including 26 great-grandchildren. In her commencement address, Grace summed up the day by pointing out that it's always better late than never. I'm Todd Starnes. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Psalm 14, 2. American Family Radio. 
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Tim with Fred and Chris and Ray, and we thank you for joining us. Brent Creeley is our producer. Brent, we had uh, internet problems yesterday with interfered with our streaming. Uh, is that fixed? Uh, yes, sir, to some degree. <laughs> We're it's... okay, Kareen. <laughs> you're going to refer me now to some. I refer you to work? the IT department. Okay, you're going to refer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're we're still working. Do you on take it, but... it very seriously, Brent? Do you take this we take uh, internet this... Uh, very seriously? We take this very seriously, okay. but you know, you have to understand what we've done and the accomplishments we've had so right, far. Right, which we we haven't been interrupted as much today <laughs> as okay. we have yesterday. Okay. All right. You need to quit watching her. Okay. You didn't even. You're picking up bad habits. You got to bat your eyes more and look down. If it's bad news, she refers you to another department. If it's good news, she says, hey, it's all us right here. Me and my boss. We're taking care of America. Uh, So, um, anyway, uh, if you want to watch this here show, as Ed calls it, go to Facebook or or, YouTube. Cut us off. They, They. they buried us, but we're not coming back. No, sir. We're done. They they said we're permanently off, right? Yes, sir. Now, could you come back? Why don't you try it in about three months? Okay. Just try to go back on in about three months and see if they resuscitate us. <laughs> All right. Okay. I doubt they will. They probably got us flagged for eternity because of because reasons. We don't. We brought it as some kind of community, community standards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That we have no idea. Right. They won't tell you what you did wrong, but they just shut your valve off. That's what you. That's how YouTube operates. But we're still on our streaming platform, yes. streaming at afa.net. Yes, streaming.afa. What was happening to us with uh, with some of these big social media? It made us a better better ministry because we created our own. Yep. So we go to streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net, and you can uh, watch our shows on AFR there. Uh, and we do have our Facebook page, a Facebook, uh, Facebook page for today's issues. Speaking of Facebook, folks may not be aware that former president Donald Trump is back on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, <laughs> right? And, a typ- and typical Donald Trump responded to that this morning. Yeah. He says, Facebook lost well, they have millions of, of, uh, of viewers. And uh, so it hurt them more than it hurt me. <laughs> he's not big on building bridges, is he? No. no. <laughs> I mean, you would think it's a normal person would say, it's glad to be back on. And, and, and uh, no, yeah. he's saying, uh, yeah, I'm back on the place that shut me up. And they lost a lot of business because of it. Yeah, the words Donald Trump and diplomat <laughs> will never go, go together. together. Don't go together. <laughs> All right. Well, last night I was reading a story. Uh, on uh, uh, at night, I surf four or five different conservative web news websites, maybe more. I don't know. It depends on how much time I get caught 
on Twitter reading about Kevin Bacon or something. I don't know. You know, yeah. <laughs> yes. a rabbit hole, rabbit hole, Twitter. Uh, Keep going. All right. So, uh, anyway, this, um, uh, um, story was in the daily signal, daily signal. And it said the headline read, uh, American history crisis, more high schoolers flunked us citizenship test. Now they're adults <clears throat> by the author was Virginia Allen. Anyway, I read the whole story. Very interesting, but it was an interview with uh, Timothy Gaglin from uh, Gaglin from uh, Focus on the Family, and uh, and I said, "Well, Grant, see if you can get uh, Tim on to discuss this." And Shazam! Here we are. Uh, Tim joins. Are you in Colorado Springs, Tim? Actually, I'm in Washington D.C. Uh, I'm in uh, I, I'm in the heart of the swamp as I speak to you this morning. What do you do there? I am focused on the family's vice president of government and external relations, and I have uh, been uh, here uh, at Focus on the Family in Washington uh, for the last uh, 14 years. Uh, Before that, seven and a half years as a special assistant to George W. Bush at the White House, and before that, 10 years in the U.S. Senate for Dan Coats. So uh, if you add all of that together, that's a long time living and working inside the Beltway. Uh, but I uh, retain categorically uh, the deepest faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and in our conservative constitutional principles, which is the absolute reason that I, that I wrote to, toward a more perfect union to your question, because I think we are facing a, uh, a literally historic level of of uh, cultural constitutional and historic illiteracy with the rising generation of young americans and i think it's very deeply concerning all right tell folks uh the title of your book and how to get it and then we'll get into what what you're talking about here well i'm honored it's called toward a more perfect union the moral and cultural case for the teaching of the great american story and uh, it's uh, easily gettable uh, on faithtext.com, faithfultext.com, and, of course, Amazon and all the other places. I like faithfultext.com uh, because, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, share uh, our worldview, uh, but the book is easily gettable. It's just out, and I really do, I hope, uh, parents and grandparents read it because we are, we are facing a very serious crisis uh, that gigantic percentages, as you as you said, of young people uh, literally don't know the story of America. They don't know the Constitution. And the deeper you get in to the data and what young people do or don't know, it's uh, it's it's very uh, stunning and it's very concerning. By the way, Timothy, our guest, uh, Gaglin spells his last name G O E G L E I N. In case you're doing a search for the book. Fred, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Tim, the, the figure that kind of uh, grabs everybody's attention and surveys, it's not just one survey, but many surveys are starting to show this, about the lack of knowledge uh, amongst our public high school students. Yeah. And in the study that you were quoting, it says only 3% could pass a U.S. citizenship test. So people who want to become citizens of this country, one of the things they have to do is pass a basic test on American history, questions like who was the first president of the United States. Pretty basic stuff. 
So, Tim, I, I, I think there's... I think there are still courses called American history in our high schools. I may be wrong about that. But if there is, uh, we either got kids failing or the teachers aren't bothering to teach it anymore. You are absolutely right. And in the first third of Toward a More Perfect Union, I actually share with the reader the data that you're talking about. Uh, And I'll use just one example. Uh, There was a, a test that is given, as you say, to every person uh, who wants to legally become a citizen of the United States. And it's, it's the floor. I mean, it's the most basic questions that, that all of us could imagine. Uh, and overwhelmingly, uh, you look at the answers, and you can hardly believe it. I mean, only one in four could name George Washington as the first president of the United States of America. Um, Only 10%, by the way, knew that there are nine justices on the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, Less than 30% knew that the President of the United States heads the executive branch of government. And what is so sobering is that the numbers are better at the primary and secondary level. In America, when you get to the collegiate and university level, the percentages of people who can pass even a basic test uh, get worse. And so uh, the, the thought is, why? Why is this? And the reason, in part, that I wrote this part of the book is to show that it's, uh, it's been deliberate. Uh, this kind of propaganda, misinformation, erasure of American memory, and the American story uh, has been purposeful. It's been willful. Uh, and we are now uh, seeing, unfortunately, the successful goal uh, of changing America and and uh, literally erasing and canceling our culture. Ray, uh, Tim, thinking about the book you wrote, Toward a More Perfect Union, the subtitle contains an amazing phrase I want to ask you about, the moral and cultural case for teaching and this is the phrase, the great American story. You know, it's one thing yeah. to say George Washington was the first president, Abraham Lincoln, something about the Supreme Court. That is sort of these disparate facts. But when you put them together, this phrase, the great American story, and that implies a way of looking at our history that gives us a unified meaning and mission. When you use the phrase great American story, what do you mean? What I mean is that, objectively, this is an exceptional and extraordinary country uh, compared to any other country, culture, or civilization uh, from the dawn of mankind. Uh, And I I make a point in this book to be comfortable with those parts of our national history, uh, you know, that were not rising to the level of the best of us. And I'm very clear about those. And we have to be comfortable uh, that, that, you know, nations are flawed. Nations are imperfect. Welcome, welcome to human uh, and mankind. Uh, you know, uh, no man is perfect. No woman is perfect. No nation is perfect. But the idea that somehow the measurement is utopia is a very dangerous concept. And I think it's fair to say and I say this in the book, that the breakdown in history and civic education is very directly tied to many of the ills that we now face as a nation. 
uh, incivility, bad leaders, cultural decay, cancel culture. Uh, you know, the, the great uh, uh, Dwight David Eisenhower, uh, one of our greatest generals, uh, a, a remarkable president, he, he said in his 1953 inaugural address, and I quote this in the book, it's a remarkable and, and unfortunately forgotten speech. He says, a people that values its privileges above its principles soon loses both. And, 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 and the point that I want to make to the question of this great nation and the cultural and moral case to make for it is that the reality is that we have forgotten our principles while exalting uh, our privileges. But without principles to serve as a foundation, it seems to me that we will eventually lose our privileges too. So that is what we are seeing playing out in our culture every day and why both the moral and cultural case has to be made uh, for the great American story. Our nation rises to greatness. I want to ask a follow-up question, if I could, uh, because you make what to me is both a provocative case and one that is quite true, that not only have we lost touch with the great American story, but there are people who actively are working to destroy the memory of the great American story. Who are these people, and why— What's their end goal? Why do they want American young people, let's say, to forget where we came from? I am honored that you would ask that question because I am very direct in the book. The ultimate goal of cancel culture and items such as the 1619 Project is to destroy America's foundations through ignorance and disinformation and to create an entirely different nation that no longer embodies the principles of the Declaration of Independence uh, or the Constitution. And in this book, to your uh, point, I quote the author of the 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah-Jones. I'm quoting her now. She said, the fight over the 1619 Project is not about history, it is about memory. I mean, in other words, to get rid of the old memory, a new memory must be created, which is what the far left is doing. And for those who are unaware, the 1619 Project has now been employed uh, in uh, numerous American schools to change the American story, and it, and it posits the fact that America was founded uh, on the day when the slave ships came to the coastlands of the Commonwealth of Virginia. I mean, this is absolutely untrue on its face. Secondly, I devote an entire chapter of Toward a More Perfect Union uh, to a person named Howard Zinn. Uh, he is the architect of much of this disinformation, and his goal was not to teach facts, but to teach opinions, his own. And he said that he wanted to transform American history, and his goal was to denounce Western civilization and to convince students to reject it. And the problem, and here's the measurable problem, Howard Zinn and his uh, history textbooks were the most commonly used, widely used textbooks uh, for about uh, 40 or 50 years in America. I mean, the damage that he purposely caused by his version is now the dominant one, which is taught in our American education system. Chris? I have a question for you, Tim. Um, 
What advice would you give someone in government or maybe someone planning to run for office in the near future on how to deal with this? Because people are hearing it and they're thinking, well, you know, something's got to be done about this. But we all know that if they do anything involving changes to the Department of Education, uh, people, including some Republicans and their allies in mainstream media, will just come back with, oh, so you want to, you know, get rid of the Department of Education and and stuff like that. And they're going to be raked over the coals much like Governor DeSantis is being raked over the coals right yeah. now for getting rid of a, a controversial uh, study course about African-American history when Florida does teach African-American history. So what, what advice would you give somebody in government or somebody running for office wanting to make a difference here? Well, I believe that anybody who's running for office has to stand up to this lack of teaching and propaganda if we're going to preserve America. And I'm glad that you used the example of the governor, because there are many governors, there are many state attorneys general, there are many people across our country who are current office holders and those who intend to be uh, office holders who now understand precisely the conversation we're having this morning. I must tell you, I'm an inveterate optimist. And part of my optimism is that I think we are living literally in the midst of a parental rebellion. Uh, I think that, that parents, grandparents, pastors, people across the country, of a sudden they are asking, uh, now wait a minute, uh, who's on the school board? Why are they on the school board? Who decides the curriculum in my son or daughter's uh, classroom and school? Who is the superintendent of education? What textbooks do they use? Uh, what, what, what is the method by which they are teaching our young people? And what is the content and substance of it? You know, it seems to me that it's a good thing for us to ask the following basic question. And I think that this fits in directly with people who are currently office holders in America or those people who want to be. How about this question? What do we want? What kind of a country do we want 50 years from now? And I think what we want is an informed citizenry that is equipped with the right facts. Uh, and uh, patriotism is not a form of bad manners. And informed patriotism is precisely the kind of rising generation in America, not only that we want, but that we need to continue as a free people. Well, we're talking to, <clears throat> talking to our guest, uh, author uh, Timothy Gagline, and uh, he is the author of a new book called Toward a More Perfect Union. The Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story. And uh, Tim, tell again, tell folks again how they can get a copy of the book. You bet. Uh, very easily. Go to uh, faithfultext.com. That's faithfultext.com. Uh, or to Amazon. Uh, my my uh, book uh, is easily gettable there. And I would be honored if, uh, if people would, uh, would, would get a copy and use it as a tool uh, in the toolbox. And, and may I say, here's the reason why. The battle, it seems to me, uh, for the soul of our nation uh, is not going to begin <clears throat> uh, here in Washington or Silicon Valley or Wall Street uh, or, or Hollywood. I mean, the battle for the soul of our nation begins in our homes uh, and in our churches and in our communities. 
uh, and in the places where we live, and you know, which will then hopefully transform our schools and restore you know, the proper teaching of American history and civics. But it's got to begin with us now uh, where God has put us. Uh, very well said. Uh, uh, I'm Tim Wildman, and uh, and you're listening to today's issues. One other question uh, <clears throat> on a related uh, story. Did you see what happened in Iowa, Tim? Uh, are you speaking of the school choice? Yes. Or, 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 yes. Okay. Yes, I, I have, and I I, I must say uh, I believe very strongly that school choice and charter schools, among many of the things. Uh, when they are employed and used, uh, are are part of uh, the solution. They are part of uh, the way forward. And uh, and I am encouraged uh, by what I have seen in Arizona and so many other places uh, around the country where school choice, which has been kind of an idea for almost 50 years, uh, now is, I think, coming into its own and used in a very important way. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tim. Uh, God bless you, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you and see you down the road. God bless, and thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. It, it's interesting. This has uh, been basically about what's been going on in our schools. Tim, it's, it's shocking to think that he said this leftward revolution started 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, but it's a two-pronged approach. It's like what uh, Kim Reynolds is doing in Iowa. She was interviewed this morning. For on, those who don't know that story, tell them what, tell the folks, do you know what happened up yeah, there? Yeah, this is, this, uh, right now, Republicans control uh, the state government in Iowa. Mm-hmm. All right? So earlier this week, they passed a bill, and Governor Kim Reynolds signed it into law that there is now going to be full-blown school choice in Iowa. What's going to happen is, is that the money that is spent per student in that state is going to follow the student to whatever school their parents decide to send their kids, charter school, private Christian school, whatever the case may be. You don't have to necessarily go to school based on where you live. Mm-hmm. That's right. Correct. Okay. That's right. Uh, the state is going to give you 7500 bucks. That'll go towards the tuition at the charter school. Can you even go to a Christian school with that? You absolutely can. Wow. So okay. this, this of course, has the left upset. But uh, Kim Reynolds this morning, uh, during her interview, she talked about uh, she's hearing, she's had calls from Governor Abbott in Texas. He wants to have a look at this bill. Uh, she's had calls from uh, government officials in Utah. Uh, they want to take a look at this. Down in Florida, th- what's happening down there is a two-pronged approach school choice, but remember what Ron DeSantis is doing. He is also encouraging Christians, and there are other uh, parent parent groups, Mm -hmm. calling on parents to run for school board. It's not about abandoning public schools. It's about maybe challenging public schools that they have to get back to doing what they should be doing, but also getting, you know, traditional people on school boards to reform our public schools. Yeah. So it's a two-pronged thing. It's not anti-public school. It's about pro-students. I've even heard people say, look, you know, I don't have kids in school. I don't have kids in school anymore, that kind of thing. But um, they say, you know, I, I still want to make a difference, and I want to make sure my public schools are doing what they need to be doing here because these students today are tomorrow's leaders. I'm paying taxes for these schools, and I'm not getting a return on investment same thing for my neighbor here. So even people that don't have kids 
are running for a school board. Well, they're taxpayers. Yes. You know, they're taxpayers. And if you're talking about the public school system, which is funded by taxpayers, listen, you've had the uh, homeschooling movement is just continuing to soar in America. Uh, The Christian schools are are continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. And then also on the, but the public schools, the vast majority of kids in America go to public schools, so they can't be, we can't abandon those and think, I mean, the, that's where, that's where the, uh, you know, ne- we need to re- have more accountability. Thus, a lot of parents are getting on school boards, as you say, who care about what the kids are being taught. They're tired of yeah. seeing this, Ray, Ray this, uh, in some places, not all places, this uh, mm-hmm. communist uh, type ideology taught, uh, the, 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 White people are devils with the uh, critical race theory. Uh, you got, uh, you know, uh, uh, capitalism is evil. Uh, we all have heard these stories, and Tim can talk about it. But th- those things, uh, if those things continue to grow and permeate across America in our public school system, and they're not, a, they're not they don't go challenged or rejected or uh, pulled out like mm-hmm. Governor DeSantis and others are trying to do. Uh, that could cause great harm to the future. Will cause well, great harm number to the one, all of this yeah. shows something, Tim, that we have said over and over and over and over again. Elections have consequences. Right. Easy to think, well, they're only talking about the White House or the Senate. But look in Iowa. Right. You look in Iowa when the conservatives got control of the right. state government, the difference they made. Look down in Florida, what's happening down right. there. And Virginia. Yes. And in Virginia. It started right. in Virginia. And by the way, DeSantis is also passed the Teachers' Bill of Rights this right. week. Yeah. And what that's about, he says there's good teachers in our public school system, yeah. but they're being discouraged yeah. by their bosses. Yeah. And also a real problem uh, that we face and have for two or three decades now, but it's is uh, college, college and university campuses mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. almost all the professors yes. are lefties. Mm-hmm. And they they teach left wing ideology. Mm-hmm. You get it. You really, if you're going to send your kid off to, uh, <coughs> pardon me, your young person off to college and university, you better check that place out yeah. before you pay uh, for it and understand what you're subjecting your, especially for our listeners here, your Christian uh, high school graduate to. We'll be back momentarily. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.